In today's sphere, we're going to continue the discussion about non-competes. This is the third part of four parts where we will discuss this. And we talk about the discussion of the Ran, the Chiddush of the Ran, and by the Zara the Flamidum and Beis. The Ran and by the Zara the Flamidum and Beis writes that a person who promises a certain item as payment, an employer who promises a certain form of payment through a tangible object instead of a salary, is afterwards allowed to change his mind. And instead of giving that object, he's allowed to pay him a salary of money, allowed to pay him with money. For, for example, if a person promises a worker who works in his uh, company that all, all the masses that he's, he has in his warehouse, he's going to give him 10% of the salary. He's allowed to change his mind, and he's allowed to subsequently give him money instead of giving him those masses. The reason is because since they did not actually affect the Kenyan, did not make an, an action of a Kenyan or a Meshicha on the matzah, on the item that he's going to pay him. So there was no Shibud on the specific item. Therefore, he can still back out and he can pay um, with money as well. Now this halacha is also quoted in the Ramon Chayshim Mishpat. And let's see the Ran inside first. The Ran says as follows, since we ask, the Gemara asks that it's missing Mashiach, Shem Inon, we see from here, we see if we can learn from here a new halacha. A person who hires a worker, and he makes up with him that as a salary, he's going to give him a course, a certain measurement of wheat. He's going to give him this amount of wheat. Or this specific item of clothing. This beautiful suit that this tailoring company made. If the employer subsequently wants to change his mind, he's able to change his mind. The latter give him something else instead. Or he can give him money or whatever. Because he has not made an act of Mashiach yet on those items. Like it says over here, it got by by the case of Tle over there, and therefore, says the Ran, based on that, that since there was no act of Mashiach, we see from here that you cannot be considered bound to specifically give him that item, because that item is not Meshubad, and he can back out and give him something else. This halacha is quoted in the Ramah, Simon Shin Lamed Beis. Simon Shin Lamed Beis, the Ramah says as follows, Balabayish Shasachar Payalim, the Siv Dalit, Balabayish Shasachar Payalim, a Balabayish that hired workers, and he told them that he's going to give them an item, an object, as a reward. He's afterwards able to give him money. In other words, he promised this item, and then, still, he could change his mind, and he's allowed to give money instead, since the employee had not made a Mashiach on that Chafet, therefore he's not Kaina. So that's the halacha, which we said before from the Ram, that if a person promises a certain Chafet, has the right to back out.
So on this, the Ketais mentions that this is not even considered binding even in the, in the nth degree. It's not even considered binding even a tiny bit. It's considered that it's, since he has, there was no Mashiach at all, it would, there would be no Shibur. And not only that, even the concept which we call Mishapara. Mishapara is a halacha that if a person um, gives money for an item, but he does not make an act of kidding on the item, the Chazal say that you're not allowed to back out. Because even though Chazal said that money is not koina by metaltolin, the reason is because if a person's money would be koina for them before the item was delivered to them, the person who was shipping it would not take any responsibility for it and wouldn't pay, you know, wouldn't take care of it, and the item would get ruined. Therefore, Chazal say that it's not considered as if it left the resource of the meicher until there's an actual mashicha from the lekeach. But Chazal, in order to safeguard monetary transactions before the Mashiach, they instituted a concept called Mishapara, which means basically a curse on someone or admonition of Bezin if someone who did not keep their commitments that they had originally agreed to. That means to say that even though money is not kind of, but there's a level of Mishapara, that level doesn't apply here. Meaning to say we don't even have that level. So it's such a, a subtle level of Hischaibus for this item, that we cannot view this as any kind of shibun on the item, and therefore he can back out and switch. So based on this, we can ask a Shailah on the Chassam Seifer, which we discussed yesterday. Yesterday we said from the Chassam Seifer, that if a person hires a apprentices a Shaykhar, a Shaykhar, let's say, again, talk about the names, Reb Chaim apprenticed Reb Doiv as a Shaykhar in his factory, he taught him the Malach of Shrita, he taught him the Omnus of Shrita, and then Reb Doiv went, uh, went away from the company and he broke his non-compete agreement which he had written up with Reb Chaim. The Chassam Seifer says he's not allowed to do that. And the reasoning, says the Chassam Seifer, is because the apprenticeship, the skills that he learned on the job, we, when a person works for the employer who apprenticed them and who taught them those skills, that's a form of payment for learning those skills. For in that case, it was talking about a smicha that he received upon completing the all the levels of apprenticeship of learning shrita. He received the smicha as a shaykhat, and he and therefore his payment for that shrita, his payment for that knowledge, was the fact that he's going to work for Reb Chaim in the company, which he did not do. He left and he opened his own company. Reb Chaim, so Sam Seifer says that's considered theft. That's considered withholding wages from the employer, and it's not allowed. So a person is not allowed to back out on, on, on uh, this kind of a non-compete agreement because his payment for learning the skills is to continue on to the end of the term of the agreement. However, the question is that why can't the employee, in this case Reb why can't Reb pay back money. Why can't he compensate financially to Reb Chaim for that skill? Why is he bound on his own to stay in the arrangement? In other words, till now we discussed reasons that could require you either to pay back or to stay in the agreement. Sam Seifer is telling us that he has a requirement to stay in the agreement and to work as a way of paying back. The question is why? Why can't he leave the business and let him 
replace this promise of, quote-unquote, work to pay back with money. Why can't he just uh, give a, a, a monetary, uh, pay money in lieu of that work? Why can't he replace that work, replace it with the financial payment? Obviously, they would have to agree what level of payment, but why, why can't he do that? And the reasoning behind the question is, like we're saying from the Ran and from the Ramah, that we see that since there is no Mashiach, there is no actual way how to lock in that kind of commitment, you see you're able to replace it with money. So here also we should have the same halacha, they should be able to replace that work with a financial payment, with a lump sum kind of payment. Perhaps we can answer this question with a, a discussion in the Pisgah Tshuva and Simon Shunlam and Gimel. The Pisgah Tshuva and Shunlam and Gimel is discussing the din of a pile reneging on an agreement in the case of a Kenyan. There's different shitas about that. The Shach shita in the name of uh, the Shach argues on the Rizba. I mean, the Rizba holds you cannot back out when a pile has a Kenyan. The Shach holds you could. The Pisgah Tshuva and Sivkat and Hay discusses such a shita, and he brings the Tshuva Shvus Yaakov. The Tshuva Shvus Yaakov, that argues on that Shach and agrees to the Rizba. And he says that a Kenyan you cannot, with a Kenyan you cannot back out. Now, the Shvus Yaakov is going to tell us a Chiddush, what is considered a Kenyan when you hire a pile. So, there's different kinds of Kenyanim which he discusses here. Mechalak Shem ben Kenyan Kenyan. The Vade Kol Kenyanim Shabayim Loi Bahani Bezed Ava Kenyan Zvarim Kumashikasar Shach. And he, and he discusses the argument that the Shach views the Kenyanim, many of the Kenyanim Meshiris Pailim as Kenyan Zvarim, which we said in the beginning of the first year is not going to hold up even with a Kenyan. Ah, Kenyan Kesef, Ushtar, however, a Kenyan Kesef, or a contract, the Mahani Liknes by Evan Ivri, that we know the Torah says that you could be coined in Evan Ivri with a Kenyan Kesef or Ushtar. Mahani Gam Ken Khan is going to work as a Kenyan on the pile. So the opinion of the Shvost Yaakov is that you can replace a monetary payment, I'm sorry, you can replace a Kenyan with a monetary payment, meaning to say, giving money to a pile even though by tra- by by transactions, by buying something, you cannot replace Mashiach with money, because on money, we say, Chazal says it's not kind of, you need specifically a Mashiach. By Sirius Pailam, when you hire a worker, you're able to hire a worker simply with an act of giving him money. You can gi- Giving him money is considered a way of hiring a worker. So therefore, that would have the status, the validity of a Kenyan, and it would not be considered a Kenyan Zvarim. So perhaps we can suggest, based on this, that when a person teaches the pile a certain skill, when a person teaches a pile a certain skill, and he's working, and this pile is now working for someone else, which is considered, this work is considered an equivalent of a cash payment, you can say that that should be a sufficient Kenyan to obligate his work in return. And that could be the Kenyan that could enforce the non-compete. In return for the value being given in training this employee, the employee is obligating himself not to compete. That's a kind of value. That's a kind of Kenyan in and of itself. And therefore, he remains stuck, he remains bound in this agreement that he has to be able to provide that work for the balabayas, like the Sam Cypher says. And therefore, he cannot get out of his agreement 
and he has to um, he has to do that work like the Chazam Cipher says. Now let us discuss cases where the non-compete was not halachically binding, or according to the opinions that it's not halachically binding, and that would require some kind of payment for the skill that he learned. Perhaps, and we have to suggest a way how to calculate this value, perhaps we could suggest the method for calculation based on the shita of the Ketois at the end of Simon Shin Lamed Base. Now the discussion over here is where the Ketois is discussing a case where someone promised to pay a worker with something that does not exist yet. Let's read the words of the Ketzeis inside. Shin Lamed Beis of Cotton Vav. V'nira, dehu adinim heftiach l'sachar b'schare davr shaloi bala oilam. K'goin peris dekel. Let's say a person promises to pay his workers. He's going to pay him with the fruits of this palm tree. Now the palm tree has not grown any fruits yet. Right? He's not talking about a case where it actually grew fruits. He's going to, when the fruits grow, I'm going to pay you with these fruits. When our factory bakes matzahs, I'm going to pay you with those matzahs. So that's something that never happened yet. So says the Ketais, that's still valid. And you don't say that promising to pay a Dover Shaloi something that doesn't exist, is any different than the previous discussion which we had, where you promise a worker to pay him an item, and then you go and change it to money. It's no less, and not any worse than promising to pay him with an item, the is that he did not make a mashikh on the item. And we see from the Ran, we see from the Ramah before, that when a person makes an agreement on the item, he's able to change and back out. However, he's not able to completely renege on the agreement, he still has to pay money. So the same thing would apply here as well. If a person who had in the person promises the Dabr he has to pay the the financial, they have to pay money, financial equivalent to that item that he promised. And the text continues, The text brings a raya from a case of Shtarchoiv that you evaluate according to the time of collection. When you calculate the value of these fruits, we don't calculate now how much it's worth while it's still very cheap. He has to give them fully grown pears after they're finished ripening and growing. Or the value of the fruits after they, they're fully grown. We don't give them the value right now, how much they are at this point, while they're still in the middle of growing. So, Kuzis is telling us that the way that we're going to evaluate this um, this work and this payment of fruits that you're replacing either with money or if you're giving the fruits themselves, you're not going to evaluate them uh, at the time of quitting the job. Rather, you're going to evaluate them at the time of when they're fully grown, when they're after they reach their full growth. So that the dumb of is chayv is chayv to pay that money. So now, based on this, we could say, that according to this case, if one promises an employee something that's non-existent, or if a person has to pay in the case of a non-compete, he has an agreement that he that they're going to stay in this agreement for, uh, for this and this amount of time, 
and the defaulting party, that means to say the employee that learned this skill, who we said before is at least obligated to pay for the value of the services or the, uh, the apprenticeship that he had or for the skills that he acquired, there's a, there's a financial, there's a monetary value to that. It could be that according to the choice, the way you'll value this, you'll value this at the level of the skill of the employee all the way at the end of that period of the non-compete, which means to say if he quit in the middle of the non-compete and he worked for, let's say, the third year of the three years of the non-compete, he worked, he opened his own company and he was wildly successful, whatever his company is valued or his skill is valued at the end of those three years, he's going to have to pay back the employer. According to the choice, the way you're going to value it is you're going to value it at the end of that period of time. Because that remains binding for the choice, and even though you can switch this form of payment, but the, the chiva payment remains in place. And therefore you have to pay it at the end of that chiva payment. This choice is disputed by the Nesivas. The Nesivas argues, I don't agree that you evaluate it at the time that the payers are actually grown. You look at the value of the fruit at the time that the person finished working, which in our case would mean at the time that the person quit his job in the, at the end of the first two years of the three years of the non-compete agreement, those that that at that time, whatever level of skill this employee had acquired, he now that that level of skill, whatever the value for that skill is in the market, that's the amount that he would pay the employer. So there's a very significant difference between the sheet of the ktsois and how you would evaluate the amount, and the sheet of the nesivas and how you evaluate the amount. According to the ktsois, you're going to evaluate all the way at the end of the agreement of the non-compete which could mean that the, the employee already has so many years or so many months and, and jobs of experience under his belt, and he's, he could, so many times he can be even worth more than the original company. Nonetheless, he has to go back and pay the original employer. According to Nesivas, you don't look at it that way. According to Nesivas, you're going to look at it as paying back the, um, empl- the original employer at, only at the time that he quit the job. At the value, in other words, like a payment for his job, at the time that he quit the job, at that point, right away we're going to lock in the method of how to calculate the value. And the way we're going to calculate it is we're going to figure that at that time, whatever he was worth, that's what he has to pay back to the employer.